This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Lisa Ryan, the author of The Upside of Down Times, Discovering the Power of Gratitude. One of the downsides of life is that we rarely have to deal with an overabundance of gratitude. Most of us tend to focus on the negative. We don't receive nearly as much acknowledgement as we would like, and we don't give as much recognition as others deserve. Now for the upside. When we learn to harness the power of gratefulness, we can make a major positive difference in so many areas of our lives, as well as the lives of those around us. The Upside of Down Times is your first step toward making that happen. Lisa Ryan, CSP, is a Chief Appreciation Strategist at Gratigy. She is a certified speaking professional, a certified virtual speaker, and the best-selling author of 10 books. Lisa co-stars in two inspirational films with other personal development experts, including Jack Canfield of Chicken Soup for the Soul and John Gray of Men Are From Mars slash Women Are From Venus fame. While she's not doing a lot on stage speaking recently, she is doing a lot of masterclasses, virtual training courses, and webinars. She's also enjoying spending the bonus time with her husband of 24 years and her two very spoiled cats, Simba and Tinkerbell. To learn more about Lisa and her work, please visit lisaryanspeaks.com. Here is the interview with Lisa Ryan. In your own words, who is Lisa Ryan? Boy, that is a good question. Uh, Lisa Ryan, I am actually a very proud native Clevelander. I have been born and raised here my entire life. I've been uh, happily married to Scott for 24 years. We're the proud parents of two very spoiled cats. <laughs> I have, um, but I'm blessed with a, a family. I still have both of my parents on the planet, and I have a, a career as an entrepreneur, speaker, author that I absolutely love. So uh, overall, life is pretty darn good. <laughs> Sounds wonderful to me. Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, The Upside of Down Times, Discovering the Power of Gratitude, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off-record. 
The first one had to be this one. What is another word for gratitude? Gratitude, appreciation, thankfulness. It's really looking at the good that's happening. It's looking for and recognizing the good that you have in your life. What a beautiful state of mind to live in. Yeah. What does it mean to be a human being to you, Lisa? To be a human being is not only looking at life through your eyes, but looking at it through the eyes of the other people that you come into uh, contact with on a day-to-day basis. Now, if we can all try to see life from other people's perceptions, um, figure out what they're going through, trying to determine why they might not, why they might be making the decisions that they're making, kind of taking you out of the equation. It just leads to a, a much happier planet. That sounds really wonderful. It makes me think about empathy or compassion. Is these states of mind connected? Yeah, absolutely. Because that empathy is um, being there for someone else of experiencing their pain and figuring out what it is that they're going through. And when we can figure out that that basic human connection, um, that's certainly a part of that. I'll ask you three questions about life. The first one's open. What is life to you? What is this experience? Not about, but what is it? I always say that that we are not on the planet long enough not to have a good time. (laughs) So (laughs) for me, it's really about enjoying what we have while we're here. You know, we're never going to have as much as some other people have. And yet when we really look at our lives, we have a lot more than other people. But we're so we're so focused on the things that we don't have that when you just take a step back and look at all the goodness, all the blessings, just the day-to-day life and not getting all caught up in the muck, you know, and I think that that's where a practice of gratitude really comes into in handy because when you are stuck, you know, I'm not saying that I never get angry and I never get, you know, upset or frustrated or all of these types of things, but when you can get out of the rawness of whatever that emotion is and just say, okay, what's one good thing? What's one thing I can be grateful for? And then it starts to change your mind. There's there change your attitude. There's just too many people that get stuck for too long. And that's just a, a waste of time. So true. I'm wondering why do some of us tend to focus on what we don't have and those negative patterns? There's some research that was done. Oh, there's been lots of research done, but Sonia Lubomirsky has done a lot of research on happiness. And what she found was this happiness set point that about 50% of our personality, we are wired for either optimism or pessimism, or like I like to joke, realism, as the pessimists like to call it. About 40% of our personality, we have a choice, and only 10% is directly related to the environment that we're in. So for people like me who are wired for optimism, it's easier for me to get here. It's easier for me to find the good because that's how my brain is wired. 
But for somebody who's wired more for that realism, more for that pessimism, more for that fight or flight, you know, it's they can get there. It just takes a little bit more work. And people who are wired for optimism, they don't understand how people can be what they perceive to be that miserable all the time. Right. And for people who are wired for pessimism, they can't understand how, you know, those optimists can be so unrealistically happy all the time. So. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, we can't understand each other. Like you said earlier, it's about understanding that will lead to love, right? I mean, ultimately to love, but... Gratitude is part of that journey, the practice. Yes. So my follow-up question for the what is life one is, what do you think is the opposite of life? The opposite of life is just, you know, I just see darkness, you know, of not being able to enjoy, not being able to enjoy the people that you're associating with, not being able to enjoy the experiences not looking for the good, not taking on some fun, some challenging, some challenges, some discovery of what this planet has to offer us because there is so much for us. And for people that are just kind of stuck in that rut, I would say that that would be the opposite. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. And my other question about life is, what do you think is the purpose of this experience? Do you believe in life after death or a destination of some kind? You know, it's kind of funny because in the movie Contact, which is an old movie with Jodie Foster, and she was talking about the aliens and is there are there life on other planets. And the quote in the movie was, if we are the only planet in the universe, then it's a waste of space. And my belief along those lines has always been, if this is the only life that we lead, it's the way, it's a waste of a soul. I do believe that we've been here before. I do believe that we'll be here again. But even with that belief, I don't think about it one way or the other. I don't, I don't, you know, blame things on my life because of where I've been before. And I don't really care what happens to me in the next life, because it'll just be whatever set of lessons that I'm supposed to learn. I like living in the present and, you know, right here in 2020, where we're at right now, I'm good with it. <laughs> I love the attitude. Yeah. That really inspires gratitude for sure, being in the moment. And my next question, one more question is about freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? Boy, to be to be free is to not only have the ability to make choices, to do what you want to do, to go where you want to go, but also to be respectful of the freedom of others. Um, just because somebody doesn't believe the way that you do, just because they don't have the same life experiences that you do, you know, it goes back to again the the freedom of being open and having the experiences and connecting with other people and learning from them and trying to understand, well, why would somebody think like that? You know, what were they brought up to be? How were they brought up or what life experiences that they have that would cause that type of reaction or comment? It's that 
openness that goes along with freedom. And I can go on all kinds of tangents, you know, in the the United States here with the, the pandemic going on and the people saying, well, it's my freedom that I don't have to wear a mask. And from the perception of do we care about the rest of the planet? Do we do we respect other people to maybe give up 20 minutes of freedom, quote unquote, when you go into a store, you know, of putting the mask on because we don't know who we're coming in contact with. So I don't think that freedom is a, it, it is whatever I want it to be. I don't need to wear a mask because I'm uh, it's my freedom of choice but in making that choice I could be potentially damaging other people and I don't want to do that I love that answer yeah I agree so in a way it's being open and asking questions being curious rather than judgmental and uh, resentful speaking of the pandemic and all what's happening now my next question has to do with that. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? Well, it's kind of funny because I think the world's greatest need was to be done with humans for a couple months. <laughs> so, <laughs> with, with, with all of the, you know, with all of the closings and basically the whole world shutting down, when you look at what nature did. When you look at how the world cleared up and, you know, people in India seeing a mountain that they that they'd never seen in their lifetime. When you look at Los Angeles and when you look at China and some of the most polluted places in the world, it was nature cleansed herself. And I think that in the big picture, one of the, the best things that came out of COVID was that something that the world needed. What did we need to do? We needed to spend more time with our family. We needed to have more dinners together. We needed to enjoy the time that we have. Was there some financial hardships? Absolutely. You know, this is not going away anytime soon. But again, if we look at the good that happened to it, to us as a result of this pandemic that nobody could have seen, you know, six months ago, um, a lot of good, the, the, you know, forcing of technology, people that ne companies that never thought their employees would be able to work from home now found out that they could, you know, churches that thought that they only had to meet in person on Sundays now found that they can stream and they can reach more people. So, you know, being, making these forced changes has really has sped up something that would have taken a lot longer for us to get to without this pandemic. What is love to you, Lisa? Yeah, what is your definition of the word love? When I saw my husband across the gym, I was it was um, 1994. I had just had I was uh, approaching my 30th birthday and I was kind of going through this depression because, you know, all of my friends were married and had kids and nice houses and cars. And, you know, and I was renting a house, leasing a car, living with my four cats. And I actually saw Scott from across the gym and I had a physical reaction where it felt like 
fireworks were coming out of the top of my head. It took me a couple weeks to, of stalking to, <laughs> to <laughs> find, <laughs> find him. But it's like I just knew. And it turned out that, you know, he was just as beautiful on the inside as he is on the outside. But love is that, you know, that knowing that you're with the right person, that kindness, that consideration. And I think most important, that gratitude. You know, Scott and I have been married for 24 years and we still thank each other, you know, for cleaning up the kitchen or for doing the laundry or for doing just the little stupid things that we do. We, you know, one of us makes dinner, the other one cleans up or whatever. But those words, thank you, are always there. And that's an important part of any relationship because you you never want to take that other person for granted. Because when you start to take that other person for granted and you don't express that that love and appreciation to them, then it's difficult to keep that love going and growing as strong as it could be. I love that practice. Yes. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? Yeah. I mean, I don't know in which conditions because an unconditional self-love, as I would define it, is that you know, where I am right now, wherever I am right now, it's okay. Am I exactly the weight that I want to be? No. Do I care? Not really. You know, I'll get there. Am I, am I healthy? Yes. Am I grateful for that? Yes. You know, I've always said I am adore my husband. I mean, we have a great marriage and I'm also perfectly happy being by myself. If there wasn't a Scott to who is in my life, I would also be able to keep myself occupied and because I enjoy spending time with myself. So I think that the unconditional part is that when I screw up or I get mad at myself or I'm not, or I get frustrated or I'm not as far as I'd like to be at any given point that I can forgive myself and move on knowing that things will get better. That's just the beginning of the conversation, but given the work that you do, that makes sense. What is your understanding and idea of inner peace? Inner peace is taking the time uh, to listen to that guidance, whether it be through prayer or through meditation or just, you know, silently sitting and maybe enjoying nature or, you know, listening to music that you like or something where you're just, you can let your mind go. I'm pretty much a workaholic. I love, but it's because I love working. I mean, I work all the time because I absolutely do love it. But this year, um, we actually got a swimming pool. And it's kind of funny because it's like a blow-up pool. It's 30 inches high. It's 14 feet around. It's perfect for just my husband and I. And I was thinking about that yesterday as we were just in the sun and floating in the water. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't thinking about work. And I wasn't thinking about what I needed to get done and who I needed to call and all of this other kind of stuff. I was just enjoying the moment. And that was inner peace. Mm, yeah. Do you think we can cultivate that state of being all the time? For other people, mm. yeah. But for me, no. <laughs> I love how honest you are. And that's fine. But no, that wouldn't be me. <laughs> okay. Thank you for your honesty, Lisa. <laughs> Very genuine. <laughs> what, where, and who is God to you? You know, God is 
in me, around me. The God that I pray to is a loving, kind father who's there for me, who's comforting, who I can talk to. God is in nature. God is in the beauty that surrounds me. You know, I don't believe in the fire and brimstone God that if you eat meat on Fridays, you're going to burn in the eternal fires of hell. Um, not my God. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, yeah, right. Hopefully not anybody's kind of God. <laughs> right. And I just, you know, I, I believe that God is is always, is everywhere, is always with me. Even though I'm attending church services, you know, online now, because I, I don't know when I'll be actually going back to the service, I'm still getting a lot out of it. And actually, the interesting thing is with the online service, because the chat is open, you know, I can put in prayer requests and I can have a couple hundred people praying with me and I can, um, you know, so there's actually more interaction from watching the online service and interacting with the congregation while still getting the message than, you know, you'd be if you were actually in the sanctuary. Right. So in a way, like you said earlier, this happened, challenges, let's say, but there are a lot of wonderful things happening as well at the same yes. time. Let me ask you this question. How did you become a writer? You know what? I have like always written. Um, I have poetry books from when I was a kid. When I, I'd write in that, I became a writer. I, I wanted to be an author. I started speaking and I wanted to be an author and I had been working on a book you know, I was taking notes and there was probably a couple of years worth of, you know, words that I had written and stuff and the book wasn't coming to me. And then I was in a movie and I wanted to have a book at the red carpet premiere um, to offer to the people who had come to support me through that. And that's when the upside of downtimes showed up. I mean, and when it showed up, it just poured out of me. That was actually my third book but it was my first real book because the first one that I did, I was a, uh, I wrote in an anthology. So basically it's one of those models where you write a chapter with other experts. So, but I was a published author. And then I had an ebook, which is uh, on smash words, which was called thank you notes, your 30 days of gratitude workbook. But it was really the upside of downtimes, discovering the power of gratitude that I looked at was my first real book that I got, you know, the excitement of opening up the box and holding my baby book in my hands for the first time. And, you know, that book, even though I now have 10 books that I've written total, the upside of downtimes will always have a special place in my heart. I love what you do. The title, Appreciation Strategist. Yes. When and why did you choose to become an appreciation strategist? Well, the funny thing is when I first um, had my, when I first started my company, it was called Appreciation Strategies. So I was chief appreciation strategist at Appreciation Strategies. So that was quite a mouthful. <laughs> right. And then when my friend and I were brainstorming and we came up with gratitude for gratitude strategies, um, then I just kept my title of chief appreciation strategist because it really is something that you can do just as much for yourself personally 
as, you know, power of appreciation works in the workplace. So I wanted to be able to give people strategies to really have a better, happier, more fulfilled life by harnessing that power of gratitude and appreciation. So let's talk about gratitude and appreciation, gratitude and thankfulness. Would you connect all three words? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay, so my first question is, what life experiences have led you to the understanding of the power of gratitude? Um, in 2009, I went to a Tony, Robin, Tony Robbins seminar um, with three of my friends, and it was a four-day seminar. A fire walk was involved, and when we were driving home from that seminar, I mean, we were pretty excited yeah, about it. Uh, you can't spend four days with Tony Robbins without being really excited. So as we were driving home, we knew that unless we took action, that everything that we, you know, all of that excitement that we were experiencing would go, you know, we'd go back to where we were before. We didn't want that to happen again. So we opened up a Facebook thread and every day we shared with each other, you know, people we met, experiences that we had, things that we learned. And then one of my friends said, well, why don't we write down three things that we're grateful for and share those? And so we just did it. You know, we shared every day and um, held each other accountable for that. And it was that practice that really changed everything because not only did it change everything in my life, but it was such a profound changing that that's when I started studying gratitude. And I've literally read thousands of white papers and books and attended programs to see you know, is gratitude more than this feel-good emotion that we ascribe to it, or is there something deeper? And there's so much research and everything that, that really shows us the power of gratitude on our immune system, on our heart, on our stress level, on our relationships, on our perspective, on our workplace. Um, it works in every single area of our life. I really credit that experience as far as being the starting point. What comes to mind is a question about what it takes to become a grateful person. Do we need to be open? Do we need to practice mindfulness? You know what? Just starting out, I would just challenge your listeners to take my 30-day gratitude challenge. And for the next 30 days, just write down three to five things for, that you're grateful for every day, starting where you're at. So if you're in a, you know, not having a great time right now, okay, um, when you flicked on the light switch, did electricity happen? Okay, be grateful for that. Do you have clean running water? Do you have hot showers, flushing toilets? Be grateful for that. Do you have reliable transportation? So it doesn't have to be that, oh, I won the lottery or, oh, I met the love of my life or these big things. Because that regular practice of gratitude is just looking for the little things every day. And what happens is you literally rewire your brain over time that when things do happen and you get mad or you get frustrated, that your one of your first thoughts is, okay, well, what can I find to be grateful for? What can I find the good in this situation? And that's when things start to change. Yeah, oh, that makes so much sense to me. Do you connect these practices that you just spoke of to spiritual beliefs and spiritual ideas of how life can be better? <laughs> you know, well, I'm always 
I'm always thanking God for everything, you know, just as much as I, you know, ask him um, for prayers, you know, for my friends, for my family, for things that I'm working on and, you know, helping me in my business and that type of thing. But I not only ask God for things, but I also make sure to acknowledge God when good things do happen. So there's there's certainly an element of spirituality from a gratitude practice, but on the other hand, there there doesn't have to be. You can be an atheist and still be grateful. You can still find the good in your life. So in the upside of down times, actually one of the reviews that I got early on in Amazon, I think the girl gave me a three or a four, I don't remember which one out of five, but she said, because I didn't reference God in my book, and I said that that was very intentional because I wanted to give people of any belief the power to have a gratitude practice that would change their life without it being a spiritual experience. I understand exactly yeah, why you did that, because the word God, it's connected to so many ideas, other ideas that the mind could take a hold of them and create something else with it. Yes. Speaking about the mind and all that, the brain, talk to me a bit more about how science agrees with this statement that gratitude is a positive thing and has many benefits. Sure. Um, the Institute of Heart Math, which is in California, um, two of the studies that I really like of theirs, and they've done a lot, but one of them, they they compared frustration and appreciation and its impact on the heart. So what they did first is they hooked up a group of people to monitors, put them through a period of frustration, and then looked at how their heart beat. And if you can imagine what a lie detector test looks like, so it's kind of like all over the place. That's how your heart is beating when you're frustrated. On the other side, when they put those same people through a period of um, appreciation, you could see this nicely balanced, these just waves that were even and balanced, and that's what your heart's doing. So when we just choose positive emotions, when we choose compassion over anger, it actually elevates the performance of our immune system for up to six hours. Just five minutes spent in anger actually reduce the effectiveness of your immune system for six hours. We can make these little choices challenging ourselves to look for and find the good, and we can benefit physically from those choices. Yes. That makes me think also about anxiety. Does it help? Do you think gratitude also can make us uh, calmer and relax us? Absolutely. And this is not something that people who are suffering from depression or anxiety, you know, talk to your doctor, take your meds. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but when they, you look at the health benefits, uh, people with, say, autoimmune diseases, people with neuromuscular diseases, research shows that they actually fare better with a regular practice of gratitude. And we have seen that so many times of people with a a good attitude, um, faring much better, it, you know, going through less pain, less anxiety. But, you know, anxiety still happens, but, but we have the opportunity to choose to lessen it by saying, okay, you know, with me, I just say, okay, I'm going to laugh about this at some point in the future. So why don't I just start laughing about it now? <laughs> right, you know? good idea. <laughs> sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Right. You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> you have to um, try different things, be creative in a way. That's what this. Do you think it's easier for women to practice gratitude than it is for men? You know, I really don't think so. I think that women think about it more often than men. But when I do my programs, um, I speak to a lot of manufacturing and um, blue collar type associations. So my audiences are primarily men most of the time. And when I'm talking about gratitude and I'm giving them strategies, um, I could talk about employee engagement for 55 minutes of an, of an hour long program. And I can cover the basics of gratitude in five minutes and give them a couple strategies And when I asked them at the end of the program, what was your biggest takeaway? Almost without exception, they will say gratitude. Men might not necessarily want to show that. But again, that's when we put it in strategies. That's when we, you, you know, you outline, this is what you can do. Keep a gratitude journal, you know, say thank you, write down thank you, because, you know, recognize your employees, catch them in the act of doing things well. And when you can give people very simple steps and that allowing them to um, practice those skills, there a, a lot of men are just as open to it. I think that women have just had more practice because that's the more nurturing of the two sexes. In your book, you say something interesting. You bring a point that was interesting. It still is for me about what gratitude is not the idea of exchange and transaction. I do this for you. You do this for me. So talk to me for a moment about that, Lisa. Yeah, gratitude is not an IOU. We do gratitude because it feels good to us and it makes the other person um, also feel a little bit better because we, you don't know where that, what happened to that person five minutes before you came into their life. And if you um, say, well, I always thank her and she never says thank you back, you might be the only person that's ever said thank you to that person. And maybe they're not used to that and they don't know how to respond because that's not the way that they were raised. But that's okay. It's just being okay with I'm finding the good, I'm recognizing the good, and I'm doing this for me. If it benefits you, if you feel good, and if you choose To thank me for something in return, that's fine, but it's not a condition of me saying thank you. That's powerful. It's loving without conditions or caring without conditions. Yeah, and that's why it's so powerful. Oh. Do you connect gratitude to authenticity? There probably is a, a correlation there because you know when you're say when you're in true gratitude you are being authentic when you're because if you're just saying well thanks you know and you don't really mean it people can can see that and you can feel that um, when it comes to authenticity but also a certain level of vulnerability and that you're opening yourself up you're letting somebody know hey i appreciate you and i appreciate you because You know, thank you because, and you're going a little bit deeper, but when it comes from your very authentic self, that you're, you're thanking people because it's truly the way that you feel. And it's not because you're indebted to somebody and you feel that you have to thank them because then when you're not being authentic, it just doesn't come off the same way. That's true. Yeah. I guess for women, it has been for me 
for many years this trying to please others. So I would be grateful, quote unquote. So, and then I see the difference now that I have learned to be myself and not try to please others, but come from the heart. So that makes a huge difference. Talk to me for a moment about show, S-H-O-W. <laughs> I <laughs> yes. like that a lot. <laughs> yes. Show is my acronym for what happens when you practice gratitude. The S is for the self. When you practice gratitude, it starts to change your perspective. It rewires your brain so that you automatically start looking for the good. The H is the health benefits. And we already talked about that with stress and with the immune system and with the heart. Um, The O is our relationship with others. Because too often we assume that people know how we feel about them. Whereas when we take the time to let them know that we appreciate them, that we're thankful for them, and specifically what it is about them that we're grateful for, that makes a difference. And then the W is wealth. And that can either be uh, wealth as we know it, our personal abundance and prosperity, you know, being grateful for, again, the things that we have instead of always um, focusing on what we don't have. And the W can always also be workplace because when you are able to find the good and you're feeling better and you have better relationships, it's much easier to bring that better, um, more positive person into the workplace. And that's the person that starts to change the culture and make it more positive than it may have been before. I love this idea of gratitude because it sounds like a gift to ourselves and others. So when I saw the O, others, it made me think about that, like just sharing the gift. Talk to me for a moment about gratitude journals. Do you recommend some over others or do you have you written any? Do you have any out there? Yeah, I have a gratitude journal called Express Gratitude Experience Good. And there's two things that I like about the book. Number one, um, there's no dates in it. Because a lot of times if you buy a journal and it has dates in it, and then you skip a couple days and then you feel guilty and then you think you have to go back and fill in those blank spaces because nobody likes blank spaces. (laughs) And then after a while you just say, well, you know, forget about it. I'm just going to move on. Versus when you have a, you know, when you don't have dates and you just write the date in, you can just do that. So I look at whether, even if it's just a notebook or loose leaf paper or a a journal, it's just capturing those daily thoughts and writing down those three to five things. Uh, The gratitude, the type of gratitude journaling that I do literally takes less than two minutes to do because before my feet hit the ground in the morning, I take the time and I write down five things for which I'm grateful. And that's what starts my day. That sounds wonderful. Some people, they do it in the nighttime. I have been asking the question. So do you recommend that we do it in the morning or the nighttime, afternoon, or doesn't really matter? Either one. I used to do both. That's a little ambitious. (laughs) But the the nice thing about the, the evening journal is that you're looking back on the day and, and looking at, you know, five good things that happened during the day. And if you've had a particularly difficult day, the evening journal is actually a little bit more difficult to do. So, but it also sets you up for a good night's sleep because now you're going to bed with the positivity of the things that you're grateful for right before you go to sleep. 
So I have a few more final questions. Before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Okay. All right. My favorite passage in the book was a poem that was written to me by a waiter named Darren. Um, this was after a, a fabulous experience that I had where Darren was an amazing waiter. And I wrote a letter to the general manager extolling his virtues and saying just how proud they should be to have Darren working for them. So the next time that I went to this restaurant, Darren had written me this poem. And it was, positive thinking is a life raft to the soul when you feel like your ship is sinking. A positive outlook each day invites God's special blessings to come your way. Lisa, I can say with all positivity, your act of kindness to my heart has forever inspired me. My way of thanking you will be to pass on that beautiful, positive vibe in all you say and do. It's amazing how one person's sunshine can incredibly change another's life. And it makes me proud to say you're a friend of mine. God bless you, Darren. <laughs> and in that passage, just that one sentence, it's amazing how one person's sunshine can incredibly change another's life. And if that's the only thing that you get out of this call today, you know, we all have the power to use our sunshine to incredibly change someone else's life. So true. Yes, a thousand times to that. Oh, yeah, I love these things, these conversations. They're so positive and inspiring. Thank you for your presence, Lisa. You're very welcome. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? I used to think that success was being a world-renowned motivational speaker, traveling all over the world, making a gazillion dollars a year and having millions of fans like I wanted to be the next Tony Robbins. And what I actually discovered that success was is doing what you love in the time that you have enjoying the people that you're with, and creating a lifestyle that you want. I realized that I don't want to be on the road 300 days a year. You know, I wanted to speak and build my business to the point where I can make it a lifestyle, that I can travel enough, that I can spend time with my husband and with my family and enjoying our home and uh, what we have here and have enough money coming in to make it all happen. With that, I have a painting done by my favorite artist, Marcus Pearson, on it. It says that many had ventured further and done so in finer style bothered me not. My journey was my own and I found it to be quite spectacular. Mm -hmm. And I've pretty much put my life around that. I don't care that others are doing better than me um, because I know what I have. And, you know, even though I'll always continue to strive to build my business, you know, to keep my business going and, and prosperous and everything. It's not the be all end all of my life. There's a lot more to life than just creating a successful business. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of uh, seeing life, not competing, but still admiring other people and having them as a reference in a way, but not trying to be like them. Two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I have I, I've always really lived with a, the thought of no regrets. And so when I want to do things, I mean, I have a great relationship with my family. And I think about that from time to time. And I just, no, I'm, I'm good. 
I love the way you answered that. Fast too. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's how we know. Yeah, we are living the purpose of our lives. And my last question, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? I know that gratitude works. I know that when you, that life is too short not to have a good time while you're here. And I also know that life is too short to be at odds with people who mean a lot to you. So if there's, you know, family members, particularly parents or siblings that for whatever reason you're at odds with, we don't know when the last time we talk to somebody will be the last time that we talk to that person. And so whatever you need to do to mend those bridges to, you know, if you died tomorrow or if that person died tomorrow, that you have no regrets with your relationship. I know that relationships are, are everything. Thank you so much for your presence, for being genuine. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I have one more technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Sure. My website is lisaryanspeaks.com. I have quite a few resources on LinkedIn, so you can find me. It's Lisa Ryan, but it's uh, Ask Lisa Ryan is my LinkedIn. My books are all on Amazon. So if you just do a search on Lisa Ryan and Gratigy, because there's another Lisa Ryan, but she used to be a minister with the 700 Club. That is not me. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Lisa, and we'll talk soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Lisa Ryan and her work, please visit lisaryanspeaks.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.